The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs, or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The following program is a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com to learn more about this and our other weekly storytelling programs and become a patron today to show your support and get instant access to our extensive archive of downloadable ad-free tales of terror. Thank you for listening. And enjoy the show. Disclaimer. Horror Hill is a horror anthology podcast, bringing you scary stories from all corners of the internet and beyond. 
As such, certain stories include content that some listeners might find offensive. Listener discretion is advised. Well, hello there, listeners, and welcome back to Horror Hill. I'm your host, Eric Peabody, and we've got a nice and creepy one for you tonight. This story comes to us from James Vaudry and takes place in the United Kingdom. There are a lot of similarities between the UK and the USA, one of which is that police officers are sent to a wide range of situations. Some of them, like in-progress robberies, are obviously high risk, and officers respond to them with a fresh dose of adrenaline already in their systems. Others, like, oh, checking in on a family member that hasn't been heard from in a while, can seem like humdrum busy work. That being said, they really never know exactly what they're going to roll up on. One other thing I'd like to mention is that the majority of police in the United Kingdom don't carry guns. I'd also like to extend thanks to Olivia Steele, who will be guesting in this story as the voice of Kim. You're listening to the standard edition of this program. If you'd like to show your support and enjoy ad-free versions of this and hundreds of tales from our audio archives dating back to 2012, visit ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to sign up today and get instant access. Did I mention they're ad-free? Thank you for your support. And now, from author James Vaudry, I give you Behind Closed Doors. The houses of the avenue waited in silence, their skulking forms barely visible, set low from the road and obscured by hedges. It was that time of night between 4 and 5 a.m. when the air holds thin and still. The street lamps stood like nervous sentinels, barely holding their light against the encroaching darkness. Nothing moved, as if any motion might draw the attention of malevolent, unseen things that watched from the shadowy recesses. From somewhere close by, a muffled snap sounded, hardly heard but unmistakable against the otherwise unbroken quiet. Before the air could return to its stasis, it was disturbed again, this time by a low, mechanical growl. Cold light crept along the street corner, followed by the blue and yellow Battenberg pattern of a police cruiser. Its brakes gave a high-pitched squeal as it came to a stop at the end of one of the sloping driveways the headlights illuminating a closed iron gate between slightly overgrown hedges. In the driver's seat sat a man in his early forties, his dark, unkempt beard starkly contrasting with his pale complexion, his face rendered almost skull-white against his black uniform. 
To his left sat an officer ten years his junior, with bleach-blonde hair neatly pulled back into a ponytail and smooth, tanned skin that could not hide the bags under her eyes. With a deep, sighing breath, she pressed the side button of the radio clipped on her chest. Zulu Kilo 26, show us 06. Received Zulu Kilo. Came the distorted voice of the controller in her earpiece, his fatigue obvious despite the radio interference. It had been a long night. Come on, said the driver with forced cheerfulness. Only a couple hours to go. Let's see what the crack is, then we can sit on this for a while. Could be good timing for us, yeah? I hope so, Phil. She replied wearily as she stepped out. The sound of the car door shutting seemed obnoxiously loud in the silence. The house squatted back from the road, almost entirely hidden from sight, the lowest of its aging bricks catching the very edge of the lamplight, the rest shrouded in darkness. Kim could see faint circular reflections in the glass of an upstairs window. It made her think of the black eyes of a spider, watching in hungry anticipation as its prey drew near. She shuddered and shone her torch at the window, an ancient part of her instincts demanding that she do something to dispel the darkness. What she saw was even worse. Jesus! Why do people do that? Kim exclaimed. Do what? Phil asked distractedly, working to open the rusty latch of the gate. Put those bloody things in their windows. He looked up and followed her gaze. With the slope of the drive, the window was almost at their eye level. A face looked out from the dark frame, regarding them with wide, glassy eyes its gaunt features etched in harsh relief from the white torchlight. Its bald, plastic head was cracked with age, suspended above a blank, sunken chest. I don't know, chuckled Phil. I swear they do it to mess with us, she declared, her voice still wavering slightly from the fright. She turned her torch off, but the thought of the mannequin watching them lingered in her mind. The old ones love their celebrity cutouts and lookalikes, said Phil as the latch finally submitted and the gate creaked open. It's like gnomes. You know, the massive ones they sometimes have. I went to another concern for welfare where there was this huge gnome just sat on a table in the entryway. I swear to God I almost fell on my arse that scared me so much. Ugh. Grimaced Kim, shivering all over at the thought. No thanks. Nope. They walked to the door and Phil knocked loudly. Police, open up, please. He tried to peer through the frosted glass of the circular door window, but there was no way to discern anything in the darkness. He shone his torch and the light reflected uselessly back at him. Kim moved to his left shining her own torch into the wide window of what was probably the living room. "'Mr. Benson, are you in there?' asked Phil with a raised voice. He bent to the letterbox and gingerly pushed his fingers against the brass plate, evidently nervous of losing a digit to the resident terrier. The plate thudded dully, 
barely moving. Strange, he muttered. What? There's something blocking the letterbox. That's one way to avoid the circulars. She joked, then turned her attention back to the living room window where her torchlight showed nothing but thick curtains. She pressed her hand to the glass and tried to peer in, looking for gaps in the material. The window was cold against her hand. Did you hear that? She asked, looking around them. The sound had been soft but distinct against the thin fabric of the night. Nope, Phil replied indifferently. He knocked again, then gripped the cold handle of the door, looking at Kim with a strained, pleading expression. His grip tightened, but the handle did not move. Of course, he muttered resignedly. Can't see a key safe either. Looks like we might have to do this the old-fashioned way. Come on. Remind me again why we're here? Asked Kim wearily as they moved down the right side of the house, following the end of the drive to the rear garden. For the good of the community, smiled Phil with his patented obnoxious joviality. Kim stared back, her face like stone, and his grin faltered. Family said they haven't heard of him in a few days. No answer on the phone, no other contact. Said he sounded distracted last time they spoke. They live away somewhere, no one else to check on him. No quiz or anything like that? Nope. Sounds like your typical stubborn old guy. I'm fine, don't need help, can manage on my own. Just leave me be, grrr, he said in a mock old man voice. <sighs> Makes sense. They came to a small gate at the rear corner of the house leading to the garden, its grass overgrown, bordered by thick rhododendron bushes deep with shadows and hidden spaces like an unexplored jungle. Aha! exclaimed Phil, indicating an open transom window on the rear wall. He turned to Kim expectantly. She remained still with her hands tucked into her stab-proof vest apparently unaware of his implication. The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Apartments.com has more pet-friendly rental listings than anywhere else. So, finding the perfect place is easier than ever, and so is finally moving in together. Just the two of you. It's a big step. Lots of new responsibilities. Lots of adjustments. Most likely, they'll wake you up at odd hours to go to the bathroom and you'll most definitely find yourself in trouble coming home late for dinner. They might even unroll all your toilet paper next time. It's just what happens when you two find a new place together, but you're not doing it because you feel like it. No, you're doing it because you love them, because they're family. And that's why Apartments.com has the most pet-friendly rental listings on the internet so that you and your furry family can find the perfect new place together. Apartments.com. 
the place to find a pet-friendly place. If you wouldn't mind, he said sheepishly after a few moments. With a feigned air of impatience, she sidestepped into the small alleyway formed between the wall and the crowding bushes. Her torchlight showed thick, roll-away blinds on the inside of the smeared glass, but nothing else. She clipped her torch back to her vest, and with an agile movement mounted the dirty white sill, then pulled herself up to the open window. Hello? This is the police. Anyone in there? Silence answered. She glanced back at Phil, her expression now one of genuine concern. Well, that isn't good. Be careful, he said, mirroring her look. She secured her grip on the lower edge of the wide transom window, took several deep breaths, then kicked her leg up, hooking her boot onto the frame and lifting herself horizontally, her slight build barely fitting into the gap. She exchanged her legs and lowered her booted foot onto a solid surface, level with the window. Glancing down, she saw the edge of a stainless steel sink. She adjusted her weight and dropped, the cold material of the blind whispering against her bare neck like an icy breeze. She hit the floor and felt something slick beneath her boots. She slipped. With a cry, she smashed her elbow against the sink, barely keeping herself from falling. Jesus Christ! She whispered as she looked around gasping in surprise. She found herself in a modest, square kitchen, every surface cluttered with grimy plates and dishes caked with half-eaten meals. The air was almost moist with the stench of mold and decay. Brown fluid seeped from a pile of overfill bin bags that took up most of the floor space. Some were split open, spilling filthy tissues and broken pieces of wood around them. You okay? came Phil's concerned voice from outside. Fine, she replied. This place is a mess, Phil. It's bloody awful. Can you open the window? She struggled to pull her eyes away from the scene before her. Open, empty cupboards, their doors torn off at the hinges... A fridge tipped against the far wall, thrumming worryingly. An oven door smashed to pieces, black glass shards glinting dangerously in the torchlight. Kim! Startled, she raised the blind and opened the main window. Phil climbed in, his bulky frame crashing over the sink. He looked around, his face serious and unsmiling. Okay... This definitely isn't good. Their boots crunched and rustled over the broken glass and bin bags as they crept towards the door in the corner to their right. Phil led the way, kicking aside debris as he moved. The arched wooden door opened towards them, its black portal filled with shadow. Kim saw Phil's torchlight glint on a dark wood dresser, its glass panes smashed, its shelves littered with the remains of what looked like ornamental plates. The light swept left, following Phil's movement as he turned to the main room. Mr. Bet He froze, his body half-turned. Over his shoulder, 
Kim saw the last of the color drain from his face. I think I found him, he said in a flat monotone that she'd never heard before. Her heart contracted in a powerful thump that resonated to her fingertips and she moved past him, following his gaze. The room extended the full length of the house, with a beam in the center showing that a wall had been removed since its construction, turning two rooms into one. The room space nearest the kitchen was occupied by a solid, polished wooden table with matching chairs that stood next to a smashed display cabinet. In the space furthest from the officers, a worn sofa took up most of the left wall leading to a curtained bay window. A flat television rested on a low unit in the opposite corner, its screen smashed in several places like fractured spider webs. And, in the middle of the floor, a thin white blanket lay over the silent, gnarled form of an old man, its blood-soaked material torn and with frayed slashes that looked almost black in the cold light. His shoulders and upper back were half-raised, as if he had been trying to sit up when his soul had been snatched away, freezing him in this agonized pose. His hands clawed at the fabric near his face, the bony fingers pressed against it like talons. A single eye caught the light through a ripped hole, and Kim felt her stomach push up into her throat as she saw it. The pupil was rolled away into the skull, leaving a blank, yellow-tinged eyeball, the lower lid stretching down to a leathery cheek. She realized that the figure was sunken into a ruined mattress, the center of it hollowed out, leaving a rectangular frame on which the edges of the blanket lay. Her mind flailed with chaotic thoughts as she tried to make sense of the diorama, various pieces of the scene seeming to snap into her memory like horrific Polaroids. A loud retching sound pulled her attention back, and she saw Phil propped against the wall, his shoulders heaving as he vomited. She placed her hand on his back, but her gaze drifted back to the hole and that agonized, bloodless eye. For a brief moment, she felt as if she could hear a man's echoing scream, calling out to her from some far, misty place. I'll check the rest of the house, she said, turning her torch on Phil, her voice little more than a whisper. No, no, I'll go. He sounded resolved, but she heard the faint wavering in his voice and saw the way he avoided looking at her. She sensed that, inside him, Phil's instincts were screaming for him to get away from the horror that waited in silent darkness just beyond their torchlight. Okay, you go ahead. I'll search the room for weapons, and then I'll speak to Control. With that, he darted from the room into the hallway to the left, his haste betraying his fright, leaving Kim alone with the man that was once Mr. Benson. She steeled herself for a moment, then switched on the light and turned to face the room. The dim glow of the bulb did little to improve the scene itself, but she felt more at ease without those black shadows all around. From the hallway, she heard the muffled sounds of Phil continuing to retch. Now that she was over the initial shock, 
Her training began to show itself, and she set about looking for weapons. The man was obviously dead. There was no sign of breathing, and the extent of the blood loss was plain to see as it had soaked into the carpet in a pool that almost reached the feet of the sofa. Taking care, she paced about the mattress, circling the room, her face grim and determined. There were no visible weapons, and considering forced entry, she already knew the window was intact from when she had knocked earlier. A brief shiver ran up her spine when she thought of Mr. Benson sitting there in the darkness like a specter, listening to them calling from outside, unable to respond. She pressed the push-to-talk button on her radio. Zulu Kilo, 2-6. Go ahead, 2-6. We have one deceased in the property. We're going to need the Sarge and forensics on this, and an ambulance to confirm death. Roger. Sergeant is on the way. Sokar committed at the moment. We'll let you know once they're available. Received. Thanks. She had been to murder scenes before, and they were almost always chaotic or strange in some way but this was altogether unique. Her brow creased as she tried to make sense of the situation. It seemed like foul play, given the nature of the injuries, but something was off. Why would he go to the trouble of bringing a mattress downstairs like this? At his age, it would have taken a great deal of effort to drag it down here without help. Why go to all that trouble? A light switch clicked from the hallway, followed a few seconds later by a muffled snap. She glanced at the ceiling, puzzled. That was the same noise she'd heard outside. Then, Phil's footsteps creaked on the stairwell and she brushed it off. Unfamiliar houses always made strange noises when you listened hard enough. She knelt behind the figure, looking closely at his exposed back. It was covered in slashes, the thin skin split in parallel lines like claw marks. The way that he was half sat up didn't make sense either. Rigor mortis sets in shortly after death, holding the position the body is in, so either whatever had supported him had since been taken away, or the body had been moved since death. The pool of blood on the floor suggested that this was where he had died, So what had changed? She looked up at the smashed dresser in the dining area. Every door looked like it had been torn off. The same for the TV unit behind her. Had he been looking for something? Kim stood up, shaking her head. This was a job for the scene of crime officers, or SOCO. She paused as she realized that she could no longer hear Phil's movements. Phil? She asked, stepping across the room. No one answered. Phil? She asked again, raising her voice. She moved out into the hallway and made her way to the foot of the stairs by the front door. Her instincts prickled, but she couldn't pinpoint why. Then she looked up. There was Phil, halfway up the stairs, his bulky frame silhouetted against the landing light. He stood motionless, arms outstretched in front of him. Easy boy, there's a good pooch, he whispered, 
A low growl answered him, and Kim felt fear crackle along her spine as she looked past Phil and saw a dog at the top of the stairs, its shoulders tense, its hackles raised. It was a black and white border collie, the once white patch of fur on its chest matted with blood. Thin shreds of yellow skin stuck to its muzzle, the lips pulled back over red gums and crimson-crusted teeth. Its eyes bulged from its head, bloodshot and crazed, staring at Phil. breathed Phil as if he were shushing a crying infant. Okay, you're okay. Without thinking, keeping her eyes on the dog, Kim reached stealthily behind her and found the door handle. She moved her hand lower and felt a small wave of relief when her fingers touched the keys hanging from the lock. She slowly turned them, a soft click informing her that the door had unlocked. She tapped Phil on his back with her other hand as she pulled the handle down. The door did not budge. She tried the handle again, pushing it harder. The door still didn't move. She turned to look back and panic flooded through her like water rushing from a cracking dam. Two planks of wood were crisscrossed over the door and the letterbox, nailed to the frame on both sides. She had not seen them before, her mind distracted at the time by Phil's silence. She turned to Phil, her mouth agape. He glanced back and saw the problem, his eyes widening in realization. As one, they sprang from the stairs. The dog leapt, barking hoarsely. Phil grabbed the banister post and swung around it, using it as a pivot. But before he could run, the dog had him its teeth sinking into the flesh of his triceps. Zulu Kilo 26, we need shit! He cried, trying to shake the gnashing jaws loose. He spun manically, slamming the clinging dog against the post. It fell to the floor, then whipped around and latched onto his calf. Kim charged through the living room door ahead of them, ramming her shoulder painfully against the doorframe, tearing her earpiece out. Her radio blared. Say again, Zulu Kilo 26. She spun to face Phil, raising her bright yellow taser. He stumbled through after her and fell forwards, screaming in pain as the dog worked up his leg onto his hamstring, foamy strands of saliva flinging from its jaws. He rolled, pressing its snarling face to the floor with his leg as he kicked at it wildly. She tried to steady her aim, but in the writhing melee there was no clear shot to take. She hesitated for only a few seconds, then lowered the taser and swung a heavy kick into the dog's stomach. It yelped as it rolled away into the hallway. She leapt over Phil and slammed the door shut. You can live out your MasterChef dream. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that.
Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Zulu Kilo 26, respond. Come on! She screamed, gripping Phil's vest and half dragging him to the kitchen. He moved on all fours, limping like a wounded animal, his leg a shredded mess of cloth, blood, and torn skin. They pushed into the kitchen, and with a huge effort, she hefted him up to her shoulders like a wounded soldier. In the room behind them came feral barks and rabid growls, and the sound of wood splintering on gnashing teeth. That's it, come on, up you go, encouraged Kim, forcing her voice to sound calm and collected. Phil crawled up onto the counter by the window, his jaw tight, his face dripping with sweat. She looked back and saw a shadow move into the doorway of the kitchen. Sorry about this, she said as she heaved Phil out of the window and into the thick bushes below. She still had her taser in her hand, and she whirled just in time to see the black shape of the dog leap towards her face. Its crimson maw glistened with blood, each of its sharp teeth illuminated in perfect clarity in the torchlight. She pulled the trigger, simultaneously raising her arm to cover her face. The cap of the taser burst open and two barbs shot out, trailing coiled wire behind them. The first barb caught the dog's cheek, but the second flew wide, missing its target. The dripping jaws clamped on her hand, and she felt the bones of her fingers crunch against the plastic handle in an agonizing forced grip. She slammed backwards into the counter, its hard edge bruising her spine, and together they fell onto the pile of bags. She screamed and punched the side of the dog's face madly. Its eye locked onto hers, black and empty of all thought except the desire to kill. It adjusted its grip on her hand and she felt shards of plastic pierce her palm as the taser handle splintered apart. She gripped behind the dog's head and pulled, trying to lever it away from her, stoking the burning agony of her hand into a white-hot crescendo. She pulled as hard as she could, digging into the dog's face with her nails. Finally, the dog released its grip for a moment, but suddenly pressed forwards and latched onto her shoulder. It was now chewing her collarbone like a dog toy and Kim's instincts told her that the next bite would be her neck. She heaved and forced the dog backwards, using her shoulder to slam the writhing hound into the floor, driving it downward like a rugby player. 
With the dog pinned for now, she scrambled her free hand out, searching for anything that she could use. Her palm brushed against something solid and rectangular with a cruel, jagged end, part of a broken cupboard door. She closed her fist around it and, with a desperate cry, drove the splintered wood into the dog's belly. Eventually, the dog's last whimpering breaths diminished into silence. She lay next to it, gasping for breath, soaked with sweat. From outside, she heard the distant echoes of sirens. You all right, Phil? She panted. Not too bad, he said, pulling himself up to the window and resting his head on the sill. You okay? I'll be honest, I've been better. She stared at the ceiling, taking great, heaving breaths. The dog's split belly leaked steaming viscera onto the floor beside her. She looked at it, and despite her exhaustion, noticed something that she hadn't before. There were several long lacerations on the back of the dog's head and neck. The wounds were deep, the skin on either side of them puckered and wrinkled. They looked old, their borders crusted and scabbed, the surrounding fur matted with blood. Some ran down the full length of the dog like ragged stripes. Her brow furrowed. She hadn't done that, and neither had Phil. Blue lights flashed through the window. Phil. Yeah? Where was the dog? I? When you went up the stairs, where was the dog? It was lying outside one of the rooms by a closed door. Why? Before she could answer, there came the heavy thudding of boots on slabs, and their conversation was lost in the alarmed shouts of their colleagues. The police inspector stood by the rear doors of the ambulance, his face showing a mixed expression of concern and confusion. What a shit show, he sighed, regarding the notes in his pocketbook. Kim lay on the ambulance stretcher as the two paramedics cleaned and dressed the wound on her shoulder. You can say that again. Is Phil okay? They left pretty quickly in the other ambulance, but he seemed alright. Nothing life-threatening. Our forensics on scene? Yeah, they came pretty quickly once they heard what had happened. You know, we spoke to the family, and they said that this guy had been acting weird for the last couple of weeks. Said he'd been distant and stopped answering his phone as often. The neighbors had been worried too. Noticed he stopped taking his dog out or going past the gate. She says she saw him walking up and down his driveway a lot in the last few days. Apparently, he kept looking up at the window upstairs, the one overlooking the street. I don't know what to make of that. He was probably admiring that bloody mannequin. She quipped. What mannequin? The one in the window, above the door. I saw it when we made scene. Fucking thing scared the hell out of me. What's up? The inspector had looked up from his pocketbook and was staring at her his expression puzzled and intense. Kim, I've been all through the house. There's no mannequin anywhere. That room is a spare room. There's just a bed in there. It's empty. She frowned and looked out of the ambulance at the upstairs window. 
The chaotic blue lights of the ambulance and police cars flashed against the back wall of the room. There was nothing there. The mannequin was gone. The thing waited in its hiding place, its body contorted in sharp, unnatural angles between the metal springs surrounding it. The man's life had been exquisite, and it had held him until there was nothing left to take. His fear and isolation, delicious sucker for the thing. It had come at a price, though. The dog had found where it hid, had even hurt it, but now it was gone. Footsteps entered the room. They moved around the bed, unaware of the hidden creature. In the darkness, dry, parchment-like lips spread in a wide grin of crooked, crowded teeth. The thing turned its head, and as it moved, the bones of its stiff, cold spine grated against each other in a series of sharp, cracking sounds. You've been listening to Behind Closed Doors by James Vaudry. Well, my friends, that closes out our show this evening. Before you turn in for the night, might I suggest double-checking under your bed and in your closet? Maybe even in your mattress, just to be sure. After all, nothing ruins a good night's rest like an unexpected visit from something... unnatural. Be sure to join us next week at this same day and time for more tales of terror. And until then, listeners, stay spooky. If you enjoyed what you've heard on today's program, please take a moment to stop by our iTunes page or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts and leave us a five-star review and a kind word. It makes a huge difference and would mean a lot to me. If you'd like to hear a premium, ad-free edition of tonight's and all of our other episodes, Visit ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com and click the Patrons link in the menu at the top of the screen, where you can become a patron for as little as $5 per month and get access to our entire audio archive dating back to 2012, including past episodes of this program, all of our other shows, and hundreds of standalone releases all of them ad-free and available to download or stream. Thanks so much for your time and for giving our sponsors a try today. When you support our sponsors, you help support this show, and that means a lot to me. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, you can follow and subscribe to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights there where you'll get all of our latest updates and new releases, 
and have the chance to interact with us each and every week. As for me personally, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, username VikingGuitar, and also on Instagram as Viking Guitar Productions. In particular, if you're looking for someone to provide voice work for your own project, or are in need of audio production of any sort, it would be wonderful to chat. Until next week, listener, when we meet up once again atop the Horror Hill for yet another Dance with Darkness, I bid you good night. Sleep tight, listener, and if you hear scratching at your door, don't open it. The darkness may have found you, but it's up to you to let it in. You've been listening to the Horror Hill Podcast, a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com today to learn more about our network and our other amazing storytelling programs. Tonight's episode was hosted by, and its featured tale performed by, yours truly, Eric Peabody. Selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respective authors. Original music provided by Nikki McSorley and Eric Peabody. Finalization by Craig Groshek and S.K. Brown. Got a terrifying tale of your own that you'd like performed? I take submissions. Email it to us today at submissions at simplyscarypodcast.com to have your work considered for future production. If you enjoyed what you heard on tonight's program and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, please subscribe to us to make sure you never miss an episode and leave us a five-star review and a kind word. Your feedback means a lot to me. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and yours truly on social media to connect anytime and get the latest updates on this and our other programs. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon as well to get more spooky tales from me and the crew and another episode of this program each and every week. And don't forget to hit the thumbs up button to let us know how we're doing and leave us a kind comment. Lastly, don't forget to visit us at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com and consider supporting the team by becoming a patron. In addition to helping us out, you'll get exclusive access to our audio archives and ad-free downloads of all of your favorite stories, including those you've heard on this program. As for me, you can hear more of my work on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights podcast. However, I will be back next week with more terrifying tales to keep you up all night. If darkness is what you're after, listener, your search is over. Yet, let it be known, you haven't found the darkness. The darkness has found you. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs 
or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.